Welcome back to Rank Up, where you will learn to become an elite instructor and grow your martial arts school. My name is Michael Hodge. I'm the founder of the Global Martial Arts University, which is actually one of the leading online martial arts schools. And we also do have an association with instructors and locations around the world. I also do operate a small kids-only private academy here locally, which I'm going to be talking about some today. And today's episode is about the five martial arts school business models. So if you already operate a school or you're considering starting one, this is a really interesting conversation because we're going to discuss the pros and the cons of different types of schools. Most people just think, oh, you know, I, I run a martial arts school. What, what else there is, is there to it? You know, you could have a mega school. You could have a, a private lessons only type of school. And there's, there's different ways you can actually be successful as a professional martial arts teacher that I think a lot of people don't even consider. Uh, one thing I will point out is that you, you have to be a good instructor for any of these to work. I mean, that's really important. That's why we created the Certified Martial Arts Teacher Course. It helps you become a world-class instructor, a world-class teacher, actually. it's called, We call it teacher on purpose. But the, the thing is, you know, knowing your business model and marketing and the management side and getting a good, you know, school management software and all these things that sound like bells and whistles that you should have, they're, they're fine. But at the end of the day, you are the product or the instructors that are teaching classes, which you're most likely teaching and training them, right? Ultimately, it comes back to how good of a teacher and instructor you really are. So work on that first and, um, you know, before you look at everything else. But this, this is a great conversation. We're going to talk about the five models and let me list them first. There's part-time school, which is just your, your hobby dojo, a local community type school that you run part-time and you have a full-time job still. A lot of people that are listening right now are kind of in that place. There's a full-time commercial school. That's where you're all the way in. This is what you do full-time. You run your martial arts school. There's a private academy, which a private academy I'll talk about because this is one of the models I currently operate. And um, that's actually kind of a totally different thing that a lot of people don't even know about. And then there's an online school, which, of course, the GMAU is an online martial arts school, which we'll talk about a little bit. And then there's private lessons only, which, how's that a school? No, absolutely. I mean... You will have people that have private lesson only music schools and uh, different, you know, dance schools or whatever. It, it can be done as well. There are definitely pros and cons to each of these, and one model might fit you a lot better than you might realize. Um, and you might be currently in a model just because you thought that's where you needed to be, but you're actually totally wasting a lot of your time and money, and you're really frustrated for no reason. So the reason why I can even have this conversation is that I've actually operated um, four out of these five uh, models. So I've, I started out with the part-time school model, and then I went to full-time commercial, commercial school, and I started the online school, which has been around for now 11 years. And uh, just two years ago, I actually started the private academy model. Um, but currently, I run two of the models, the online school model, the GMAU, and the private academy model, which is called the Global Martial Arts University Kids Academy. Um, the one I've never done personally is private lessons only. I've done private lessons before, of course, but I've never... Uh, that wasn't my only model, basically. So let's dig into part-time school. This is where most of you started, or most of you will start, and that's not a problem at all. Part-time school means you still work full-time, or you might be going to college full-time. Um, there's something else in and you really love martial arts, you've been at it for a while, you obviously are a black belt in this style, and, and 
for whatever reason, you just really wanted to start teaching and maybe you were already teaching at your original school, but you wanted to develop out as an instructor and, and help in a more impactful way. So perhaps you get started by finding a community center, a YMCA, someplace where you can just rent it out or it's, you know, a simple agreement where it doesn't cost you that much. There's not a lot of overhead and you can operate a couple of classes a week. You can still market it and promote it. And this could still be very successful with way le less overhead, actually, uh, without having to sign your own lease, paying all your own utilities and uh, all of that. So that's one thing about the part-time school. You might even have an actual, you know, brick and mortar location that you pay for. That's what I, I had originally um, when I started, actually. When I was in high school, my dad started a martial arts school called Texas Karate Academy. And uh, I was working there and helping and teaching and doing everything I could to, to be a part of it. And I pretty much started running most of the location when I was like 17 years old. And it wasn't a huge, huge school at the time. Uh, once I turned 18, I was legally able to sign the lease. And uh, my father actually handed it over to me at that point in time. We had about 30-something students. And I continued to operate what I would call the, a part-time school. So I ran it three times a week, three nights a week as I was going to college. And it was a good model. Um, I still had the business side to run and I still had the teaching. And of course our costs were lower. I didn't really have employees. So it's a fine place to be. Um, it's even a place you could be long-term and you can really maximize your time and your success with some of the things I'll talk about in the private academy model. You might transition your part-time school to a private academy, which is essentially what I've done, but we'll, we'll, we'll go over that a little bit. So one thing about the part-time school is that you might really want to go all in, and uh, there's a breaking point, right? There's a point where you need to dive in and make this your full-time profession so that it can grow to that 100, 200, 300 student mark and easily outpace what you're earning in your other job, right? Um, so that's something you, that's really about personal development, making sure you're in a location like a town, a place that you that's big enough. Like if you're in a tiny town, it's possible that it would be hard to sustain 200, 300 students and things like that. Let's talk about full-time commercial school. So um, I actually ended up going to full-time commercial school. My part-time school, I decided to go all in and actually open, lease a new location and um you know, it's a larger space and literally decided to do this full time. So I decided to do that back in 2009. And uh, the full time commercial school is the whole enchilada. Like this is it. You have to make it work because you don't have income coming in from anywhere else. What's different about having a full time school? What's different is that you're going to eventually grow it to a point that you're going to you're going to need help. You're going to have to hire people. Uh, the first hire you would make is a front desk person, like an administrative assistant. This person can really help you in fielding calls and setting up appointments and taking payments and working with students in between classes while you're rocking out really great classes and you're enrolling students. And you can actually get to a pretty good point doing all this on your own with just one part-time front desk person. If you really want to go past, let's say, 100 students, you're going to need an assistant instructor or another instructor that you hire to run other classes. That way you're not having to run 20-something classes a week. Do the marketing, do the business, do the management, do the enrollments, do everything on your own. You know, you're, you're just going to be at a ceiling. Um, so employees is part of it. Just higher cost. You're going to have to invest more in general in marketing and making sure you have a good influx of new students uh, throughout the month. 
It's not something where you just kind of sit around and wait for a phone call or wait for a web lead. Uh, we obviously are going to talk about timeless marketing. We want to make it simple, but there's going to need to be some outbound work done to to grow and have a very good size full-time school. Um, when it comes to a full-time commercial school, I will point out it's possible to become an absentee owner. There are some people who have done it. Um, I actually did it in a way for a period of time. I, I'll put a major asterisk on that, though, in that a martial arts school does require the head instructor or the manager or the owner to be involved in a way that at least infuses and gives the staff the confidence and the guidance they need to do a good job. Um, so that's a whole nother episode. But full-time commercial school, I ran one for four years. We got up to around 200 students. We were recognized uh, on the front cover of MA Success Magazine back in 2012. And um, we definitely had a really good operation going on. Um, but I actually ended up selling that to one of my instructors in early 2013 and transitioning full-time in a way to the GMAU, which is really what I do full-time now, running the the online school, uh, which we'll go over in a little bit. So, yeah, so far we've talked about part-time school, what it is. Um, we've talked about a full-time commercial school, which can clearly be very financially viable and successful. But when it comes to the full-time commercial school, I will admit I rolled out of bed. I got to work at like 8 or 9 a.m., probably 8 a.m., and worked until probably about 9 p.m. So it was like a 12-hour day that I was doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for sure. Fridays were shorter. And then we also worked Saturday from, let's say, 8 until 3. Um, I definitely put in a lot of hours. The way I would explain it is that the first half of the day was about the managing, the marketing, the business side. And then the second half of the day is actually what we called showtime, teaching the enrollments and everything else that happens from like, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. So definitely something that can burn you out if you don't manage it properly. I would say we did spend a lot of time and energy on marketing, and uh, we definitely wanted to make sure our school was very easy to find and always had an influx of new people coming in the door, which was very beneficial but can also be stressful, and a lot of time can be spent on that. I wanted to point that out, that in general I was pretty much working more and it was stressful in a way. Uh, whereas the private academy model that I'm about to talk about is very different than that. So that takes me to private academy. You're like, what does that mean? Private academy is a model that I'm currently using for my local school. Um, it's a kids-only martial arts school, and I'm doing that on purpose. But private academy is just like a private school. So I explain it to people. I'm like, this is a kids-only martial arts private academy. This is like a private school. I only have... 14 spaces in this program for the entire school year. You have to enroll before August 31st in order to be in the program from September until the end of May. It's just like if you go to a private school, a reputable private school, you have to pay the yearly tuition up front, or you can pay for it in monthly payments, but that's the tuition cost for the school year. And we have it limited. We have limited space. We only have 14 spots for this particular program for the entire year. And this is why. It's because we are really the best in the area. And not just the martial arts we're teaching. It's extremely useful. It's fun. We're teaching realistic martial arts. Our instructors, which in this case, I'm the only instructor. So has a lot of experience. And uh, the big thing about us is the character development and teaching our students proactive 
community and leadership engagement. You know, and I talk about the character development assignments and action assignments and different things that we do and give them those examples. But currently in my private academy, we're about to get started again for a new school year in a few weeks. And then my entire enrollment's full. I only have three spaces open that I have to enroll. Um, I'm going to do some Facebook posts here and there, uh, maybe ask for some referrals and get those filled. But otherwise, it's already full. I'm not doing any marketing. I'm not sitting around wondering what's going to happen. I'll, I know all of my students are ready to return. And I did take the summer off. I took uh, June, July, and August off this year. I've never done that before. Um, last year, I had the private academy and I actually ran it through the summer. So I explained that we have the school year, which is from September through May, and then we have a three-month semester in the summer, which pretty much everyone does as well, which all of my students did. Now, you can operate a private academy even with adults. Um, it's the same idea, but I'll admit it makes it a little bit simpler for kids due to the fact that parents, they understand how private schools work, they understand how school already works. You're not creating some new idea for them. You're just inserting how your martial arts program fits into that concept. This, this is game-changing, though. With a private academy, like I just said, I'm not scrapping for leads. I'm not doing outbound marketing a couple hours a day, doing booths, doing lead boxes, making phone calls, setting up birthday parties just to get leads, all the things that you see you know, in a commercial full-time school that you feel like you absolutely have to do or you're just going to go under because the, the strip mall taekwondo school down the street is marketing the heck out of you. And they're going to put you out of business or something like this. You're not playing that game. You're not, you're not even in that world. You're doing something totally different, something much better. I, I'll, I, I would put my classes and my program up against anyone. It happens to be in a very small, low population rural area, which is already kind of funny because people would never think you could operate a school that's successful in a town of a thousand people. But I'm proving that it can obviously happen. But with a private academy, Again, the key is that there's limited space, there's exclusivity, there's actual registration periods. You don't just enroll people whenever you want. This is something that I used to do, obviously, at my full-time school and that most people do. If someone wants to sign up in the middle of a cycle, let's say you're a month and a half in and the next graduation or test is two months from now or a month and a half from now, you sign them up anyway. The next test is three weeks from now, you sign them up anyway. It's like a confusing improper time for them to really start their training in the middle of a cycle, but you do it anyway, just like, I just need new students. I just need to get them on the floor. It's actually not as good of an experience as if they would have started right after the cycle. Like right when you start a new rotation cycle, right after testing ends, that's the perfect time for new students to enroll, right? So even if I have someone drop out for some reason in the middle of my school year, which does happen at my private academy, if I have someone that moves or something happens, I'll have, I already have a waiting list of a couple of students that want to be in. And I have, I told them like, I'm sorry, I have no spaces, but as soon as one opens up, I'll give you a call. And then I do reach out to them and sometimes they're still available. If not, I'll just put out a Facebook post or do some other things and let people know we're enrolling. The point is though, I don't let that new student start until after the, the test. So I have specific registration and entry periods. I have a set number of spaces. Now, I'll admit, my number of spaces was because I'm the only instructor teaching these classes, and I'm running on about a 600-square-foot floor, so it's not a huge space. Uh, I initially just thought I was going to have 10 students. So what I did, though, is I changed it to 12 because I realized I could easily have 12, and then I went all the way up to 14, but I'm set at 14 now because I can actually teach 14 students in my 8- to 12-year-old program 
all. I have enough space. It's a little crowded, but I, I totally have it. And um, what happens is that it's very rare that all 14 students actually show up. It's usually 12 students, maybe 12 or 13, due to the fact that someone is sick or something's happening. And as you, if you've been running a martial arts school for a while, you know this. Like You might have that many students, but it's kind of rare to have everyone show up to every single class. Um, point is, though, I have those specific spaces. Um, I actually have two... Uh, eight to twelve year old program classes. I have a earlier time and an evening time, a later evening time, and um, each of them have fourteen students in it, so that's twenty eight students. And then I have a homeschool program that can have up to twelve students in it, so basically it's forty students. Um, that's forty students, and I just teach five classes a week. I already have my curriculums organized. I spend a little bit of time planning of cl- planning my classes. And each month I make my new character development sheets. And really it's about walking out on the mat and teaching an amazing class every time I do. Otherwise, I spend very few hours a week on my private academy. Not because I don't care about them if they're listening to this podcast. Uh, it's not because uh, I'm trying to provide a low-quality environment. They know that. that I don't. They know that I, I walk out there, I show up. And I show up and I'm ready. I'm ready with an amazing class plan. I'm ready with something fresh. I'm ready with a great mat chat, and uh, I definitely do my preparation, but but I've been teaching now for over a decade, and, and with experience, it does make these things a little bit easier. So that's what I, I'm currently doing. I'm running a private academy. The other model that I currently run is an online school, which is the Global Martial Arts University. You know, we started this back in 2008. Um, originally, we had our home study courses through DVDs. And you would study everything, and then there was a manual, and you would film yourself and send in a YouTube video or even a, a, a disc sometimes that we would watch and grade. And we've made so many improvements since then. Many of you that are listening know what the GMAU is, and some of you are actually students in it, and legitimately know it works. And it, it does. It, all, it works if the student works, right? It works if they're actually doing real training, if they're actually giving effort as they're watching and following along with our classes. And then people who are very critical of this are like, well, you know, how are they getting feedback? How do they know they're doing something wrong? Well, that's why we have video assignments. That's why we have video exams. That's why we actually watch and, and grade and give comments and have this one-to-one feedback. And actually, you get even more like personalized feedback than you do in a school, like a live school. Because when you go to a live school, if you're one of like 20-something people that's in a class I mean, your instructor, of course, will come and correct you sometimes, but you're one of 20. And But whenever it comes time for you to do your tests and your assignments with the GMAU, the instructors only focus on you at that exact moment in time. They're watching your material. They're grading you. They're giving you very specific, um, you know, custom feedback. So it's a very unique situation. Um, and clearly other criti- critics are like, you know, how are you actually getting good at fighting and sparring? And again, if you have a training partner, if you have someone you can physically practice with, we show you how to do the practice. We show you how to do the sparring. We show you how to do that in our programs. But yeah, the GMAU, if you're interested in running your own online school or making money as a professional martial arts instructor in this area, well, for one, the GMAU is currently looking for more instructors to launch world-class courses with. Um, we are interested in launching different styles, such as Kung Fu or Kali, uh, Jeet Kune Do, just different things like that. And you can always reach out to us. At the bottom of our website, there's a link that says, uh, launch a course with us. And you can get in touch with us there. Um, that's one thing. Of course, you can create your own online course by filming your own lessons and classes and 
you could video test your students in some way. Um, you could, you know, have them train with your videos online and then come and take tests with you locally. You could give live Skype classes. You could do actual live video private lessons. There are people doing this. You can do video private lessons. Um, there's lots of options. Um, clearly, building something like this from scratch is significantly more difficult than, you know, even just opening up a local school, especially with what we've done with our own custom technology and a lot of the things we've built up over the last decade. Uh, but it's definitely possible, and it is an option. It is an option. Of course, with an online school, you can teach from anywhere in the world. You could be filming classes and grading exams from, you know, if you're in Canada and you go on a vacation to Australia or Africa or wherever you go, you can still be working if you want. You can uh, be anywhere as long as you have an internet connection, essentially, right? So there's that option. You're getting to connect with people who might not have the ability to go to a live class. And that's a benefit that we, we found with the GMAU. They don't even live near one. They live in the middle of nowhere. There is no martial arts school. Or they work odd schedules. There's no way they can make a class. Or I just spoke to someone uh, yesterday who... He wants to go to a craft class, but the only one nearby, they charge $189 a month, which uh, nothing against them. They probably have a great program, but he's like, I, I can't pay $189 a month right now with what I earn. And, you know, what you guys charge is lower on the GMAU, and it's still an option for me to actually get into this because it's important to me. So running an online school or being a part of one somehow as an instructor, like with us or with other organizations, is another option. It's another way to be a professional martial arts instructor. Okay, so this takes us to our final model, which we'll talk about today, private lessons only. This is a very interesting model. Um, so not actually running group classes. Uh, you only do private lessons at your house, or you have a garage dojo on your property, or again, maybe you even rent out somehow some location, some fitness center, some extra room where you do your private lessons, whatever you can work out. Your overhead should be extremely low, though, on purpose. Or you can actually go to people's houses. You can be a traveling instructor who goes to the to the student. Which again, if you go to the student, please charge extra for that. Um, private lessons only is a way to work with students who otherwise might not be interested in going to group classes. Um, they're kind of uh, unsure about that. They lack confidence, or they have special issues or problems or goals that just don't match what you would typically find nearby. Or maybe the only thing nearby is Taekwondo and you're a really awesome self-protection. You, you used to be a bouncer, you do Krav Maga, things like that. And you have very specialized knowledge that you could be offering. One way to do this is to actually have a garage dojo on your property. So I have a 1,500 square foot building that we built on our property, which is actually where we film some GMAU material. We run the private academy out of here. Uh, but you could have something very simple. You could just have literally your garage and turn it into right uh, a dojo of some sort. Just put mats down, make it nice in there for your own training, and then you could easily do private lessons in there. No overhead. You're already having to pay rent or your mortgage or all your expenses anyway. Um, again, check into your, your local uh, business laws and things like that. Sometimes within city limits, outside of city limits, some of these things can have play on what you can and cannot do business-wise on your residential property. Please check on that first. Um, but it's definitely a viable option. I mean, lots of people are running businesses at their house. Uh, I've been having headaches as of late. I actually went to a massage therapist that uh, has the massage therapy clinic on our property, right? So just another example of it. No overhead. You don't have to drive anywhere. And, um, you know, with this, you can also go to someone's house. You can set up packages. Like if you're going to do private lessons for people, don't just have them pay one at a time. Please don't do that. 
set up a package where they buy eight at a time or 16 for a month or whatever it might be. And keep in mind, you should definitely be charging like twice as much as what they would be paying if they went to a local school. Let's say the average local martial arts school where you live charges 150 a month for their group classes. I mean, if they're going to do something similar to that with you private, it's definitely going to run them at least uh, $300 a month. But again, you'll probably price it per lesson and then give them a discount of some sort when they buy the whole package for the month or whatever. But you could easily, let's say you even charge $250 a month for uh, a month for a student that comes just four lessons even. Um, or maybe they come twice a week for shorter lessons. Uh, if you have 20 people, that's $5,000 a month with basically no overhead. Um, so private lessons only is an option. How do you promote this? Well, you promote it the same way you would promote a lot of your other locations. People are like, how do they know where you're at, though? Because they're not going to see the signage. They're not going to see the location. I'll tell you, with a martial arts school, you don't have to be on a main street. This isn't a hotel. This isn't a gas station. This isn't a restaurant. The Internet does exist. So if you have a good Google business listing, you have it on Facebook, you make it simple. You do some Facebook posts. You do some localized, um, you know, radius geographical Facebook ads. Um, you have your Google business listing, you put it on Craigslist, you just get the word out. You start with one good student, and this word's going to start to spread, and you're going to have some more students. You can also do what you call a pop-up dojo. This is where you go to daycares, preschools, uh, academic schools, summer camps, and you talk to them, and you say, hey, I'm going to come every Tuesday at 10 a.m., and I wanted to offer this special class for your students, and it's just you know $50 a month, for them to do this special class once a week, I'm going to come and show up. I'll be bringing my, my mitts, my equipment, if you guys don't mind letting me use your gym or whatever. There are people who are doing this. You could make your private lessons only business somewhat of a pop-up dojo business. Well, we could call this a, another model, perhaps. But this pop-up dojo idea allows you to travel to different locations. Again, you have no overhead, and you can... You know, people do this for basketball clinic things. They do it for dance and gymnastics, going to these preschools and daycares. And it's another option for you. I just wanted to point that out. You've got to do the work, though. You've got to walk in the door and ask. You've got to walk in the door and offer something. Don't be afraid. You have real value. Martial arts are life-changing. You know that. The things that we teach can transform a child or an adult into a much better version of themselves and remember how much value you can add and how much good you can do in the world. That should motivate you to choose one of these models and to really live it out to its fullest. So I hope you learned something from this. I think that many people go in an evolutionary pattern. They might start with like a part-time school or they might start with private lessons and then they go to part-time and then they go to full-time. Again, they might even realize, oh, there was no reason to have ten, twenty thousand $20,000 in overhead, and I, I didn't need this mega school that's 10,000 square feet. I didn't have to have five locations as my goal. I could just run a private academy, etc. Again, it's really about you enjoying your life, you doing what you love, and also consider absolute versus relative income. Absolute income is like, let's say you make $100,000 in a year. Who cares how many hours you work? You work 90 hours a week. You're like, oh, I don't care. I made six figures. Relative income is how much money you made per hour of work that you did. So it's interesting. My relative income with my private academy now is probably 
Oh yeah, I mean, I know it is. It's higher than what my relative income was when I had my full-time school. My full-time school, our numbers were a lot bigger. We had employees. We had all these things going on. And now I work a couple of hours a week for my private academy. I absolutely love every moment of it. Love the teaching. Love working with the students. I really see an impact happening. Uh, it's pretty amazing what some of my students are doing here locally, actually. And the, the relative income is actually higher. So uh, definitely remember that, that... Um, the amount of hours you're spending on it and working smarter is better than harder. That takes us to the question of the week. So this is actually a question I'm asking myself because I did not get a question of the week from anyone. And it's how did you create your own martial arts style? I just have a feeling people have wanted to ask me this and they never have before. And, and that's just fine. So I just want to tell you about it. First of all, if you know someone who created their own martial arts style other than me, Typically, people think you're like a quack job. Like, right, you made this style called a Meridote or something? Okay, oh, it's a combination of the best martial arts styles in the world, right? Of course, so it's going to be better than everything else that exists. So, <laughs> you see this a lot. You'll see these crazy styles and people are mixing things together and they have this name and then they say, you know, this is my style and, you know, I'm an 11th Dan or 10th Dan and, and that's not what I'm all about at all. So... It's just kind of an interesting story. I didn't set out to create a martial arts style. That, that wasn't the original goal. Like back in, whenever I was teaching at Texas Karate Academy, which I mentioned earlier, which is my father's original community dojo, I was teaching a nunchaku class. I really loved nunchucks and had created an organized curriculum called Ultimate Chucks. And I was running it a few times a week. My students were really liking it. I created the curriculum, and we used this unique chevron patch as the ranking system. And the idea behind that was I wanted students to be able to show their rank in Ultimate Chucks on their gi top sleeve while still being able to wear their belts to show their karate rank. I was like, this is kind of cool because you can show your traditional rank, your core style, as I call it, as you can still show your weapon style rank. And I was running that class. And my dad actually really liked the bow. At the time, he was running a bow class. So I ran, we had two rooms. I was running a nunchaku class in one room, and then he was running the bow class in the other room. It was like weapons time that was happening every, perhaps it was every Tuesday, Thursday. I don't remember the nights, but we were both teaching the weapons and ranking our students up and having a good time. And I, I was like, you know, this would be really interesting, I think, for other school owners and other instructors that would like to offer something because I, I was noticing that it was everyone's favorite part of the week. Like, they were liking the nunchaku and the bow classes almost more than the regular karate classes. Not that the karate classes weren't weren't good or something. They, they enjoyed them, and we had good retention. But we saw that uh, they were really enjoying those weapons classes. And so I, I decided to film the entire curriculum, create an instructor's manual. I wrote it all out of the different sections of the curriculum, the different sections of what we teach, how to teach it how to do testing, how to run classes, how to do warm-ups, how to do drills, how to do sparring with the nunchaku. I did the same thing for the bow because I also had trained a lot in the bow. It's just at that period of time, uh, since John was actually running the bow class, uh, which I started to teach that as well, though. What happened is that we created these... Pro well, I, I did a lot of it really on my own, but of course my father and some of the other people that I was working with at the time ha heavily influenced me. And I filmed them and, and learned how to do it all, and we put it out there. And we put them for sale on through a company. My original company was called Hajima, which stands for Haji Martial Arts. And I put a full-page ad out in Martial Arts Professional Magazine. And I think the ad title read, 
um, two programs, one ultimate success or something like this. And it had this picture of me with the nunchaku doing a high block and me doing a down thrust with my bow. Um, and that was at, uh, I think I was 17 years old at the time. So I, I was starting this business on the side and I was in high school and that ad was $1,000 a month. I was like, this would be easy. I'll just sell a couple of courses a month and it'll be just fine. And, and we really didn't. We had a couple of school owners buy, buy it here and there, but it was pretty sparse. I'm like, okay, so I don't know what to do next. And I, I'm like, okay, what if I put these DVDs on eBay and just sold it to people who are interested in learning nunchaku and bow? Like my students that train with me locally, I think that they would enjoy this. And they did. They started to sell some. So they started to move, and it was just kind of a snowball effect. Over time, I, people were asking me, how can I like earn rank in this? How can I train with you? How can I get feedback from you? Can I come to your school, or what do I do? And like, you know what? So I created this concept called distance training where I, you know, we had rank requirements and things you had to do. And then you could send in a video and I would grade it, give you a video feedback and everything like that. And that was the genesis of the distance training side of Ultimate Bow and Ultimate Chucks because they were both happening at the same time. Ultimate Bow really started to outpace Ultimate Chucks. I think that the bow is the world's most popular martial arts weapon. It's very accessible. You can pick up a broomstick. You can use a walking stick to fight with. You can pick up any elongated cylindrical object and just, just, it's fun. It's, it's simple to pick up for all ages. Um, so that's part of it. And no one was, has really taught the bow at this depth and breadth before, which really started to pique my interest. So it started to become a style on its own over time. Whereas originally it started out as an organized curriculum. And I really think all martial arts styles kind of are like this, whether it be Gracie Jiu-Jitsu or something like the KC fighting method or even Krav Maga, some of these more uh, recent styles from the last century. You know, as an instructor, I don't think you start out to say, oh, I'm going to create this style and then I'm going to go down in history because this is my style and everything. You just, you just teach what you're supposed to teach. You teach because you want to expand your students' boundaries. You want to expand your own understanding of what's happening with this movement or the reasoning behind your fighting or defending yourself or going to war or whatever it is about the martial art you're doing, whether it's Tai Chi or Qi Kung or something about energy movement. It's a personal journey that you then expand into a journey for your students' sake. The way Ultimate Bow really became a style, well, officially, you know, the uh, one of my Ultimate Bow students actually uh, runs the Association of Martial Artists Worldwide, and he actually accredited it internationally as well as the same for Ultimate Chucks. And then since then, we've had other organizations do that for Ultimate Bow. But, um, of course, that's one way you could say it, it became a style. Also, I think it becomes a style because there are students, and there are so many students that many of these students now want to teach it. They legitimately want to teach Ultimate Bow locally, and they do. And it has come into its own, uh, something that I never expected. It's really expanded upon itself in a way that it wasn't originally. Um, we now have the combat bow section. You know, I, I went to Okinawa and I, I looked more in depth at the, the base of our Okinawan Bojutsu side of the curriculum. Ultimate Bow is very unique because you could go to train with the world's best Kabuto Grandmaster in Okinawa. Or the world's best, you know, Chinese staff instructor in China, for example. And you would still only be seeing one glimpse or one way to use the staff. With Ultimate Bow, we try to take all those things into account. So our combat side comes from English quarter staff. It comes from long sword movements. It comes from fencing. You'll see elements that come from Chinese bows or Chinese staff or gun. 
um, if that's pronounced correctly in Chinese, you'll also see elements, obviously, from uh, Okinawan movements and mainland J Japanese bow movements as well. So that, that's why it's called Ultimate Bow also. By the way, uh, now it's called American Style of Bojutsu or American Bojutsu because it truly does have an American touch on it. Myself being the creator of the style, uh, I am American. And then also the forms that we teach are unique to Ultimate Bow and are actually American created. So uh, that is how I created the style. And I just wanted to point out that it wasn't some sort of um, exact science like this, 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 and this. If I just mix this with this and this ingredient, I'm going to have my own style. And it just organically happened. And that's why it has been a unique success because it has organically happened. I haven't pushed it in some odd way. I just continue to add to it, make it better for my students. And um, they've really brought, breathed, breathed life into it in a way that I could never take credit for. So I just thought that would be interesting to talk about and expand on. hope you enjoyed the answer to that question. I really do want to get more of your questions, though. So please just simply add a comment here or go to globalmartialarts.university, go to the contact form and just ask me a question there. And until next time, continue to train hard, keep learning, and continue to just spread abundance.